Alrighty. You see the scripture, but I'm going to put it up on the screen. I'm going to put that scripture on the screen. I did, when I was making, see when I make these presentations, it looks so brilliant, so so vibrant on the on the screen, so so brilliant, and and uh, I, those colors are just jumping out at me. And then I put it up here, I'm not apologizing. I just think it's kind of interesting that you can't see it like I like I can see it. I'm no no no, it's fine. I'm going to go through. Do you want the front lights off? It's what it is. I thought, okay, what's Tracy Yaman going to be wearing tonight? And so I thought maybe I'll maybe I will coordinate with her. And so next week, just you tell me who, what you're wearing, and I'll try to get a PowerPoint ready for you. Okay, this scripture, 1 John 3, 9, and, and you see it up on the screen. Hopefully you turn there, because we're going to be looking at verses before and after these. But you see 1 John 3, 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin. Thanks. Whoever been, is, has been born of God does, does not sin. I thought it went down. His seed remain, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. And so why might that, the first time someone reads this, they might just be a little disheartened. Why might that be? You, you read a few words in this. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Well, there you, you have me a little disheartened. Why? Because I sin. Because I mess up, because I stumble, I fall. And so the first time reading, someone might just be a little discouraged because we're not supposed to sin accordingly. But we're going to look at the context and we're going to have some, um, some background, some considerations later on. But on your outline, and I should have got one, but one of the points is to whom is this written? And so it's written, if, you, if you're taking notes and you don't have to, um, but... It, First John 3, 9, to whom is it? Well, it's written to struggling Christians, to struggling Christians. A lot of times when someone is teaching First John 3, 9, they'll stress, does not sin, does not sin. And this would mean, this would indicate not someone who just sins every once in a while, but maybe the habitual sin, that's what they would teach. John is not definitely not saying that, that nobody sins who is a Christian. He's not saying that the one who's born of God never commits an act of sin. Absolutely not, because that would contradict other clear passages. So we're going to look at 1 John before that, 1 John 1, 8 and through 2, 1, and I'm going to read that. So if you're turned there, 1 John 1, back to 1, 1, sorry. Because this, it's the same letter, and it's the same context. And so it goes in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And where is the truth? Well, it's not in us, Scripture says. And then it says, he is faithful. God, oh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him, with a capital H, God a liar. And his word isn't in us. That's important for us to notice. His word isn't in us. And we make a lot, then two, uh, verse one of chapter two. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, uh, the righteous. Okay. 
So does this say that no one says? Notice this. I write this to you so that you may not sin. You Christians who might be struggling, I'm writing this. And you might have that. If I say to a child, you may not do that. Is that saying you may or may not? No, you might. No, it's saying, please, understand and obey me. It's against my rule right now for you not to do it. You may not. Is he saying, I'm writing this so Christians may not sin? May not. Or is he writing, I'm writing this that you might not sin? Notice the difference? You may not. No, he's saying, I'm writing this to help you, to keep you, to, to, to get you through some struggles. Because notice what he says, and if anyone sins, he has an advocate in the Father and Jesus, the righteous. And so you, you may not sin. Hopefully you won't. I'm writing this to help you through this. But if you do, here's some encouragement. And so keep that in mind as we go through this section of Scripture in 1 John 3. You may remember in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 8, and there's a, there's a, con, there's a convert named Simon, and he believed, in Acts 8, 13, he believed he was baptized. But then how, if you remember this, paraphrase it, how did he sin? Simon, Acts chapter 8, 13 and 14. How did he sin? He saw what? He wanted, he wanted something. He wanted some power. He wanted, he wanted the ability to heal, to drive out, to, to, to heal people. Why? And he was wanting, he, he was willing to pay for that ability to, to, that came from the Holy Spirit. And what did Peter do? I mean, Peter jumped down his throat and let him have it and let him know you're totally wrong. You are sinning. And he just, he didn't hold back. But what was the reaction of Simon? The point is, so he is born of God. He doesn't continue in sin, a way of life. And yet here he, he, he does sin. Simon, a new convert or a convert. And what's Simon's reaction? He repented. He repented. And, and, he, and he repented. He, he changed his mindset. And then he asked God for forgiveness. And so... You look at statements like, like 1 John 3, 9. Does that contradict what Simon did? Sins, repents, asks for forgiveness because he as a Christian sinned. So we're going to look at some of those statements um, like, like Romans 6 and 7. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now that's encouraging. That's encouraging because if, if we're not with Christ, we're not slaves to Christ. We are slaves to sin. We, we're slaves to unrighteousness, Scripture teaches us. But it sounds like it's impossible, 1 John 3, 9. Whoever is born, has been born of God does not sin. So likewise, let's look at um, Romans 6, 11, and 12. And I'm flashing this up there, but you should, if you had the opportunity to get to 6, 7, you, you may be there. And then 6, 11, and 12. Likewise, you also reckon yourself or count yourself or, or consider yourself, you might have in your translation. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus your Lord. And therefore, verse 12 do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. There you go. Don't let sin 
reign in your mortal body. Don't let sin live in your world, the world that you're living in. And if you do, you're going to obey its temptations. You're going to obey its, it, it, and it, you should obey in, it, in its lust. So, about whom, on your outline, this would explain this. Christians, and this is important too, well, it's all important. Notice this. Christians who have the seed in them. It's for those who have the seed in them. Well, what is the seed? We're going to look at that. The seed. What is the qualifier for someone who's not, who, in order to not be able to sin? The seed. Very important. It is vital. It's a qualifier. And so the reason that the one is born of God, his seed remains in him. Again, 1 John 3, 9. His seed remains in him. Well, what is the seed? What is it that allows us to, to stop sinning, that allows us to, to fight against those temptations? It's the seed of God. What is the seed of God? Well, 1 Peter 21, 22, and 23. You can't see it very well, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to get there. 1 Peter chapter 1, if you would. All righty, and, and the qualifiers. So here we go. We're going to start in 23, I mean 22. Since you've been purified, your, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love. Okay, you have purified yourself. Wow, that's, that is huge. That is humongous. You think about this, this sinful man that I've been living as with all the, this dirt and filth in my life, I've been purified. How did that happen? Well, we obeyed the truth through the spirit of sincere love for the brother. We obeyed the truth. Well, how did that happen? Well, what happens because of that? We, we love fervently. But look, 23, having been born again, of not of corruptible seed. There's that word, the seed living, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You have a parable being told in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, and, I mean, in Luke chapter 8, and Jesus explains the seed is the word of God. And he's talking about, well, it's planted here, and it's planted here, and it's planted here, and it took here good soil, um, thickets that come up and choke it out, the weeds. But he says the seed is the word of God. So the seed in you will allow you to fight off sin and not sin. The word of God working as a seed in the heart, it will not permit one to keep sinning. And so what will it do? Well, it'll help us be faithful. That's what the seed of God does. I think I have this up here. Yeah. First John 2, 14. I've written to you, Father. Now we're back in first John. We're looking at 3, 9. Focus on that, that you may not sin. Or the, the one with the seed does not sin, doth not. So 1 John 2, 14, I have written to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you're strong and the word of God abides in you. What's the word of God known as? Well, we just looked at it. It's the seed, the seed of the word. The word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. And, but how did they do this? These young men, you've overcome the wicked one. That's huge also. You've been purified and you've overcome the wicked one. How? 
what helped you? First John, I mean, John says, you had the word and the word helped you, helped you overcome the wicked one. And that's important. So you have that. The word of God abides in you. You've overcome the wicked one. 2.24 of John, and it just simply says, therefore, let that what abide. What does that mean, abide? That's a church word. It's a song, abide. Live inside. Exist within. From the beginning, this... You've heard this from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides, stays in you, you will abide in the Son and the, and the Father. You've heard what? Jesus is teaching. What is Jesus is teaching? The Word of Jesus. Who's Jesus? God. And so this is the Word of God. Therefore, let that live in you which you heard from the beginning. From whom? From Jesus. And then motivation for keeping this Word of God in us. Your Word I've hidden in my heart. Why? And it, what's it going to do for us? Yeah, yeah, that I might not sin against you. Any sin that we commit is against God. But how does he, I think this, yeah, how, do, how does he combat it? Puts the word. Now, and I've mentioned this before, what is, don't look there, but I think some of you all can quote it. First Thessalonians 5, 17, little, three words, pray without Ceasing. And I've used this illustration because, but it, but it works for me. Several years ago, when we were living in the in the Netherlands, and I was teaching, and I was teaching a high school class, and I asked for prayer requests, and and a boy said, and this is a silly example, but a, one of the boys said, "Pray for me. I've been biting my nails down to the down to the quick, or whatever you want to call it, but they look awful." And he said, pray about that. And I said, have you prayed about that? He said, yes, I have. Well, while you were praying, were you chewing on your nails? No, I wasn't. It works. Think about that. It works. You're praying to stop lying, but you're praying wholeheartedly. It's working. You're not lying at that moment. And so the word living in us is constantly living in us. As long as it's in us, it's working in us. A lot of times people make these points in talking about this passage. It's, it's good, but, but, but we need to a ask a question and then answer it. Does this mean that if someone becomes a Christian, he will never go back to a life of habitual sin? Does it guarantee that? And people teach that. You get in that Christian, you, you become a Christian, and then you are good to go. No, you will not stumble. And even if you, you you're fine. The this verse says the one who is born of God does not continue in sin as long as the seed remains in him. As long as you're praying to stop doing something, I can guarantee that you are not doing what you're praying about. Stopping. As long as the seed is in him, in us, living, working, growing, we're going to be fine. As, as long as we allow it to do what it's supposed to do. You know, sometimes the one who becomes a Christian, it, it, they, they, and it's sad, we see it, we fall into sin, we stumble, and we get into a life of habitual sin. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to let you get there. Three verses. 
three verses. I'm okay. What is it? Second Peter. Second Peter. Did I say first? Okay, Roger. Thank you. He's my. What would you call it? I don't know. Um, what'd you say, Claude? No, I'm not even going to repeat. Claude said something, but but you're on that side. He's on that side, and I'm going to keep you on your sides. Um, second Second Peter, chapter two. Go with me. I was going to say go with what's on the screen, but that's no guarantee either. That is no guarantee. Okay, so for if they who the Christians have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they learned it, they acted on it. What the the knowledge of the Lord? What does that entail? Well, it entails learning words, the Word of God. They are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. And then it goes on, verse 21. Uh, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it. To turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. What? The word. They've turned their back on it. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. And this is kind of gross. A dog returns to its vomit. And a, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire, a dog returns to its vomit. And it is a gross picture, isn't it? What, what does it mean? A Have you ever seen a dog return to its vomit? Oh, man. I'm sorry? Into, yes, yes, yeah. Danny says, and worse things. Um, so a dog returns to what? What are they doing? They're eating what they've already eaten, and, and, and it's been purged out. So they've eaten something, it, they vomited out. Instead of walking away because it's disgusting, they decide, yeah, I'm going for that again. It's just crazy. You know, it's a, there's a fascination with vomit in little kids. There, if someone vomits, I don't want to see it, and I don't want to smell it. But a kid, Amy was substitute teaching in Arkansas, and a kid would throw up, and what happens on the playground? If a kid throws up on the yes. Tracy knows they all congregate to the to the vomit and try to figure out what did you eat? It's so gross. And it, but the dog looks at it and, and thinks, well, it was good the first time. Claude's going, stop it. No, but that's the point. It's uh, it's gross. I'll stop it when I want to stop it, Claude. <laughs> A little more about vomit. Here we go. No, I'm just. Yeah. So let's talk about the sow. Let's talk about the sow. You clean off the pig. The pig's all clean, and 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 it goes back and wallows in the mud. Well, what about Christians? They just decide, I've lived that life. I know how to live that life. I'm going back to that life because it's an easier way to live than Christianity. I've gotten clean. I'm pure, and I, and I've been washed. But then there's the mud, and that mud looks so fun to be in because I've been in it before, I've experienced, and I want to go back to it. Well, is this teaching against what 1 John 3, 9 is teaching? Seems to be, but it's not. Does John mean to teach that if anyone has ever been born again, again, he, he will go into a life of sin, he, he, will, he will stumble, he will fall. Solution to the problem. And it's important for us to understand that. There are translations, and the King James is one of them, I think the NIV, and I think the New American Standard, 1 John 3, 9. I, I believe maybe New King James has, whoever has been 
whoever has been, right? Whoever is, has been born of God. New King James. If someone has a New American Standard or an NIV, and what does it say? Whoever is born, has or is, NIV? Okay, NIV. NIV is translated sometimes is and sometimes has. New American Standard is. King James, who is. And are they wrong? No, but, but he's not saying that anyone who has ever been born again doesn't live in sin. King James, in New American Standard, NIV. It's a good translation. It's, it's because it is born is in the perfect tense. In other words, you started out in one state, you changed states, and you're remaining in that state. I don't know if that helps, but he's been born and he's still in the state of being spiritually alive. A child has been born and they're living and they're growing, but you wouldn't say he is, he is born still. You would say he has been born and is still living. So he who has been born or is born, he's still in the state of being born. It's a process. As Think about this. As long as you're driving a car, you're not doing what? Walking. He is driving the car, therefore he will continue to not walk. The driver who started driving and is still driving is not walking. The Christian who is born of God and is still living faithfully is still born of God. And, and it's important. The Greek... Can I put this up there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Whoever is born doth not. That's, that's King James. And then this is from New Testament Greek for beginners. Oh, yeah, that's me. Um, the Greek perfect tense denotes the present state resulting upon a past action. You started something, you're into it. You, you, you started a process. As long as you're continuing in that process, you are in the process. So, and then there are other quotes that I, that I found, and I'm not going to bore you with them. I love it when preachers or, or teachers just say, you know, Machen says, what? I don't care who it is, but th this, is, this is a pretty good one. Greek for beginners. Goes on to say, it's never used unless the past, think about this, the past action has a permanent result. So you did something and it's still it's ongoing. You've been born of, and as long as you're living as someone who is born of God, you are not sinning. I want to take a little trip through 1 John with you. So 1 John, and we're going to start in chapter 2. I didn't flash it up on the screen because all you have to do is, is look, look with me. We're going to go from 2 to 5, stopping at 4 along the way. So 1 John... 229. I'll let you get there. 229 of 1 John. And, and it's important. This has nothing to do with anything that's on the screen right now. We're just, I'm just going to read some scripture to you. And it just starts out If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of God. There you have that. Not has been born, but has been born as in and is in a continual state 
of living in God. Okay, 1 John 4, 7, a couple of pages over, or just a few verses, I mean, a, a chapter. 1 John 4, 7, keep looking up on the screen. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born, is born of God and knows God, is born. What is the qualifier, in this case, to be continually born of God? Love. 1 John 5, 1. 1 John 5, 1. The last three are all in 5. 5, 1, 5, 4, and 5, 18. So 5, 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. As long as you continue to believe. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him. Him who begot, he, he begot these, he, they came from him, also loves him who is, is begotten of him or born to him. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born continually in a state of living. 1 John 5, 4. Two more and then we'll, we'll, we'll land on another idea. For whatever is born, and I think the translation says whoever. Some of y'all have whoever, but whatever, whoever is born of God is born, overcomes the world. Someone who is a constant of being born, being alive, is able to overcome the world. And this is a victory that has overcome the world. What? Our faith. 1 John 5.18, finally, in this list, this, this little voyage through 1 John 5.18, we know that whoever is born, here it is, is born of God does not sin. Does that make sense now? But he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Who is born, as long as you are holding your breath, you are not breathing. As long as you are in Christ, you are not, as you, long as you're holding the seed of God in you, you are not sinning. What does that mean? Does someone let go of the seed? At the moment that we decide, I'm going to talk about that in the Devo, but the moment that we decide to, to sin is the Word of God living in us. Do we still have the Word of God in us? But, but is, it, is it living? John's use, he uses a perfect tense, shows that he's talking about not everyone who was born again, but only the one in whom the relationship, can, that who they were born again and that, that relationship continues. So the seed continues to work. Does it mean the one who has left, who has left the church altogether, has, has turned their backs on Christ? What state are they on? They have turned their backs on the Word of God. But what about the person who just stumbles and then asks for forgiveness? That seed is, is still working and growing. He's not talking about everyone who's been born again. We, got, we, we need to understand this. John, and, and, and I believe this, and, and, and I think I missed, yeah, okay. John is talking about someone who continues to let the seed work in him. That This is the one who, who isn't into a life, has gone back to a life of sin. What does it look like when, when the seed is working in someone, they make a mistake, and then they take care of it. What does, that, what does that look like? What am I describing? Sorry? 
repentance. You, becoming to, getting to the point where your heart breaks because you've broken God's heart. You're a Christian and you've stumbled. You hate what you've done and you ask for forgiveness. Does that, the seed of God is still working. Yes, Danny. That's, uh, Looking for me. that describes the principal leader's principal characters in the New Testament very well. Mm -hmm. How so? He said that describes the principal character. Mm -hmm. and they'll fix it and, uh, and go on. Mm -hmm. what, is it, what else does it look like? Someone who repents, someone who's brokenhearted, and someone who, so the repentance is, t is, is turning around and moving away from it. The repentance is one thing, because someone can repent. Their lives turn around, move away from the sin. They can repent, but they haven't done what? We, we talk about the steps of salvation. Someone repents. You've got to repent of your sins. But they might not have. Well, it, and repenting means literally turning around. But they may not have confessed Christ and they may not have been baptized. But have they repented? Yeah, they've tried. But true repentance is, comes from a broken heart. And the point John is making is that those in verse 8, so you look at 3.9 of 1 John, but then you look at 3.8, at and it says, those who sin are of the devil. For he who sins is of the devil. That's kind of frightening. So, so at that point that I sin, what, are we, what, are we, what state are we in in Isaiah 59.2? What state are we in when we sin? Can you be connected to God and still sin? No, can you, huh? You're, you're, when you sin, you, when you sin at that moment, you cannot be connected to God. God you would, he's pure. And if you're impure, you cannot be connected to him and he stay pure. Isaiah 59, 2, whoever commits, you're, you're separated from God at that moment. You cannot be connected to God and sin at the same time. Now, you may come to repentance and come back to him. He will welcome you. 1 John 1, 9, that's the same letter. 1 John 1, 9, you ask for forgiveness, he, he's faithful to forgive. Okay, those people who sin at that moment are in the devil uh, of the devil, and those who keep in God's character, they are his children, and you think that opposite, someone who is a Christian is God's child, someone who is sinning at that moment is, is a child of the devil, and the devil's excited about you coming back, but listen, 1 John 3, 8. I'm going to flash that up there. 1 John 3, 8. I already said this one. He who sins is of the devil, and the devil has sinned from the beginning. And then that's one. And then 3.10 kind of turns it around, but melds again that thought coming back to that thought of sinning, being part of the devil. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. What does that mean, manifest? They appear. You, th there's evidence of. You, you believe in God, there will be some evidence. It will be manifested. You will be able to see it. You're a child of the devil, you'll be able to see it. Or at least God will, and you will. But whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So, for whom is... Yes, Claude, you got something? Yeah. Okay. First John 4. Yes, read that for me. 420 of First John. Yeah. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God 
who he is. Yeah. And so the manifest part, the evidence is what? Loving, loving each other. You're still reading? Come on, Claude, come back. No, no. So, so, so Claude says, how is, how, is, how is a child of God being connected to God? How is that manifest? Well, part of it is love. And that's what John writes. Not just this time, but loving, your, loving his brother. And that's what that says. He who does not love his brother, is, you're not righteous. You going to say something? Yes, I'm getting. I know you better than this, but I'm getting the vibrations of it. Momentarily, you're headed to hell on your way to heaven as a Christian, as a working Christian. Okay, so Danny says that what the message that I'm getting across is that momentarily you're going to hell as as while you're a Christian. I know you don't believe that. I don't believe that because John has written. Because John, because John, because John, well, I'm not stating that, Danny, because John writes to people who sin. When you sin, are you, are you right with God at that moment that you sin? Are you right with God? Okay, but can you be? Yes. And that's what John is writing. Carrie, were you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. When we so that's the qualifier. While we are in good standing with God, if we're in good standing with God, we are in fellowship with one another. That's that's the way it is. And while we are in fellowship with one another, continuing in that, we are we are fine. But for, but John has written to people who who make mistakes. Are the, can they be forgiven? Absolutely, and that's what John's point is. I believe wholeheartedly that this book, this letter, is written to people who need encouragement. New Christians who fall and fail and want to walk away because they feel like failures. But John isn't saying you may not sin. He says, as long as the seed is in you and growing and you're letting it do, but as soon as you try to change your mind, try to change your way, he who sin, what does that mean? He who sins is of the devil? It, it, it's clear to me. Struggling Christians, for whom is this written? Struggling Christians. To know, as long as they're continually consuming the word, you've got to be consuming it. You've got to be letting it grow. You've got to be putting it into action. You've got to be going forward and letting it direct their life. And I'm just going to, I'm going to sum this up. As long as they're living by the word of God, they will be able to live without sin. It will be impossible. If you are living by the word of God, acting on that, you, you, it will be impossible if you are praying for patience, while you're praying, you have stopped for the moment and you've taken time and you are not being impatient. You think about the prayers that we have, that we make for ourselves to stop doing things. First John. First John simply says that the one who continues a relationship that starts at birth, you're continuing it. He is born. He's going to be fine. And those who live in sin no longer, you, the relationship is broken. Could be, yes, Claude. I thought you were going to say something. That's right, Peter. Yeah, and God takes him back. But at that 
So at that point, when Peter, Peter loves Jesus, Peter's following Jesus, and then Peter, Peter, commit, Peter, did Jesus ever refer to Peter as a child of the devil? Did he ever refer to him as Satan? So is Peter Satan once he became a, once he started, yes, yeah, Steve. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yes. Right. It's up and down. And how many times? So you just ask for forgiveness one time. After sin, you've asked for forgiveness for that one, and you're good to go forever. No. No. I am saying that you can mess up and be, in, be separated from God, but, that, but John is saying you will mess up, and you can ask for forgiveness. You will mess up at that moment. But if you don't take care of it, then what? If you don't take care of your sin, then what? Two ways. How do you, what? But when you mess up, how do you get right with God? When you know that you mess up, how do you get right with God? <laughs> okay, thanks, y'all. <laughs>